Hello, everybody, and welcome to My EdTech Life. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Saturday morning, wonderful start to your day. Maybe you already had your first sip of coffee. Maybe you're cooking some breakfast. Whatever the situation is, guys, thank you so much for joining us here this morning and making us part of your day. And today we have an amazing show, as we always do. All right, so today we have a special guest. We have Chelsea Robertson. And she, we're going to be talking about growth mindset. So this is a really exciting conversation. I mean, especially in education, something that's very important and something that, you know, we definitely need to have a conversation about many times. And especially now in the times of remote learning, distance learning, pandemic, you know, maybe moving things from a traditional setting to something newer, you know, and just having that growth mindset is something useful. So thank you, Chelsea, for being here. And just to give you a little background on Chelsea, Chelsea has been an educator. She's based out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area here in the wonderful state of Texas. So for all my DFW friends that are out there and you're looking for an amazing consultant with energy that can <laughs> just bring some, some change, you definitely need to contact her. She's been in education for 15 years, both here in the United States and abroad, teaching in Honduras and working on curriculum there. She's also been a school director, and now she's working as a full-time consultant, like I said, bringing those Chelsea knowledge nuggets to districts all around. So Chelsea, thank you so much for being here this day. <laughs> Chelsea knowledge nuggets. Yeah. Hashtag Chelsea knowledge, yes. knowledge nuggets. <laughs> knowledge nuggets. You just got my a new hashtag. I sound so fancy when you introduce me. Okay. Can we just go around together and you'll be like my person that introduced me? And then there you go. Hey, you know, or maybe I can do just the voiceover intro. So yes. when you start your and then you'll have like the fog machine and totally. then here we go here's mm -hmm. the intro. knowledge nuggets start dropping them and you should definitely be the one who always says honduras because you say it so much better than i do so <laughs> <laughs> well chelsea thank you so much for being here and uh just a little backstory on how i met chelsea believe it or not chelsea uh has just amazing content on linkedin you need to follow her on LinkedIn, and I'll go ahead and pop in that link right now here into our chat so our followers that are on LinkedIn can follow you. And she has some amazing content that is just real. I mean, she is as real as you can get, and it's just amazing, and she really just really gets you thinking. And so going through my LinkedIn profile, I noticed that she started, you know, putting a lot of likes on, you know, some of the things that I post there. And then, uh, you know, we just had a conversation, and just invited her and, you know, thank you so much because I think that what you have to offer today and in this conversation is something that's definitely relevant to the way that we are uh, living education right now in the education landscape. So, you know, fixed mindset, growth mindset, Chelsea, where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> that's a loaded question. Uh, I mean, I do think the biggest part that I always go into conversations with is that it has to be holistic, right? If you're going into something to talk about growth mindset or fixed mindset, you can't just say, hey, we're going to work on growth mindset for the students because they need to have a growth mindset. Or, hey, we're going to work on growth mindset for the staff because they should have a growth mindset. It has to be, hey, we're going to work on growth mindset for the organization or the community at large because otherwise, it's just going to fall and burn and burst into flames. <laughs> oh, you know what? I love what you said there holistically. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes, and, you know, this is something that I was uh, doing a project on uh, for one of my courses. And we're talking, you know, even with professional development in schools, the way it is normally beginning of the year, you bring in this subject matter expert that comes right. in and it's kind of, you know, sells you their program, their product without really yep. knowing your demographics, your, you know, for your students and things of that sort. And, you know, you're never really seeing, okay, well, what skills did you really gain from this? And are you putting those into practice? So it has to be more of that holistic approach. And mm -hmm. I, so what I love that here is you're seeing it from all angles and all aspects, not just the one, you know, component, that one variable. So I think that's definitely something that's very important that is often overlooked that holistic approach. I like that a lot. Yeah, definitely. Because if you're going to try to bring growth mindset to your students without applying it into your staff or into your communication with families or whatever else you have going on, 
you're not modeling it. I mean, they're going to see right through that. Exactly. <laughs> it's not going to end well. Yeah. And see, and like you said, too, I think oftentimes uh, parents, I mean, they're part of our learning community. They're part of mm -hmm. the school. I mean, they trust their their kids and they put them in our hands. And yet there sometimes there's very little parental involvement. And like you said, giving them that information and then they can see like, hey, you know, they really do practice what they're preaching and mm -hmm. trickles down all the way from the top to the middle, to the bottom, and then out to the parents as well in the community. And that's really where that change can occur and can happen. So I really Oh, like yeah, definitely. And there's a, at my most recent school that I was at, we had what we called team in the round. So we didn't have a hierarchy structure. We had a circular structure and um, the inside of the inside of the circle was our focus. Right. So the students and the families. And then as we built out it was the different pieces of our organization. So we knew that no matter what we did, it was going to be focused on the student and the family. And then we would have, you know, the classroom teachers and then the team leads and then, you know, whatever. And then the directors and then the board and the leadership kind of circled out around it. And it actually gave a really cool feel into the way that we worked because it wasn't about serving the person at the top. We were serving the family and the student in the middle, which I think set a whole different mindset for how we functioned with each other. And of course, I mean, there was still someone at the top who had to make the decision in the end or someone who you know had to fall on the sword <laughs> in the end. Yeah. That was me. That's exciting. But it wasn't about me. Right. It was about if I got you know, the Mack truck principal, if I get hit by a truck this organization needs to still function the same way that it was before. And that's why the focus wasn't about the person at the top, but rather the person in the middle, which was the student, the family. And having that kind of mindset really feeds into everything else, you know, going through that filter. I really like that. Like you said, uh, you know, I think you have this amazing vision of kind of like education and I'm really pumped because I'm hearing this uh, this exciting conversation like we were talking prior just uh and you really pumped me up because this is something that I'm passionate about and that I love mm -hmm. and many of our viewers and listeners that are here big shout out to Bonnie who's here shout out to Global GEG for visiting us uh here this morning and you know this is something what what we often talk about and we have this group you know our our Global GEG group and this is a place where it's kind of like you find your tribe and you, you speak to people that get you. Mm -hmm. And here you know, it's it's great when you have that group. And then here in the education setting, you sometimes like, for example, maybe yourself and I, just the way we, we kind of see things, we, we kind of can't find that group or maybe sometimes yeah. people don't get us. They don't understand yeah. us, mm -hmm. where we're coming from. Uh, but I think that's something that's very important in that, you know, like you said, sometimes you, you may be the one that falls on the sword, you know, <laughs> but that's kind of the way it goes when you're kind of seeing things in a different way. So mm -hmm. you know, that's not always a bad thing, though, seeing things in a different way. <laughs> no, no, totally. And, you know, that's part of growth mindset is you're going to fail <laughs> and it's not going to work out well every single time. And, you know, but that's part of going into it with the mindset of we're going to come into this with the opportunity to grow from it and constantly be evaluating what we're doing and what's working and what's not. Because fixed mindset says if it doesn't go just like this, then we failed. But growth mindset says that we're looking for outcomes and we'll continue to create iterations until we reach them. There is no failure until you give up, which I think is so, so much more of that concept of resilience inside of growth mindset than you're ever going to find inside of a fixed mindset. Exactly. And I think that's something that's very important. I mean, it, you know, and, and just to kind of touch base on what you're saying, you know, and we just had this conversation yesterday and actually Bonnie, who's here and uh, Bonnie's uh, officially the president of the Alfonso Mendoza fan club. She just <laughs> was that right now and she's looking you up. Chelsea, just want to let you know, I think you and Bonnie would definitely have just an amazing conversation too, as awesome. well as Bonnie is a passionate educator. So she's definitely going to look you up, but you know, resiliency, you know, when eight years ago I used to teach in Arizona I lived there for a, a year and I met a friend of mine. Well, I met a friend, made a friend, and he's a former Marine. And during that time, you know, we would hang out a lot, you know, great guy, great family, just real down to earth. And, you know, there were some times where I kind of just found myself since I was away from home for that year. I, it was different just adjusting. 
he he shared something with me and it stuck with me for these eight years. And now it's been something that I always say, and it's really something that I practice and I share it with my teachers. And sometimes people don't get it because, you know, sometimes you go, it's like, oh, you're always finding the positive and everything. And I know that, you know, the, the you talk about that, you know, toxic positivity and things of that mm-hmm. sort. But sometimes it's like, I, I really do always try and look for the positive and things that you mm-hmm. may not see it, but in my eyes, because I'm looking at it through a different lens, but this is what he said. You know, and he's a former Marine. And this is one of the kind of one of the mottos they say is always to improvise, adapt and overcome. Mm-hmm. And those are some of the things that have stuck with me in eight years. And I think that because of those three things, they've helped me be successful, not only in the classroom, but now in my current position. And even now with these projects that I'm tackling, because you always have to be resilient. There's always going to be either you're either going to fall on the sword or somebody might accidentally push you onto the sword. (laughs) Or maybe not accidentally. (laughs) Or maybe not. (laughs) But you just have to adapt and overcome that situation. But I Mm -hmm. think that's something that's definitely important in having that growth mindset. So yeah. Yeah, Resilience is huge. And and I think that's a big, big thing inside of all of that is that there's always a way to adapt. I mean, look at 2020. (laughs) it's all about adaptation, right? I mean, there's never a failure unless you, you give up and walk away. I mean, there's always a way to kind of reevaluate and move forward. And that's what I like about it because I like being, I even, I like the concept of, well, that blew up because now we know what doesn't work. (laughs) So let's not do that again, because that was a problem, but let's figure out what's next. And the mindset of that is so important because for a student, if, if bring it all the way back to education, there is a very clear fail and pass, right? You get less than this grade, you fail. You get more than that grade, you pass. And failure is bad and passing is good. But I mean, we know that failure is not always bad because there's something else that comes from it. And so I hate that there's that very black and white piece of it. And I wrote an article a while back called Excessive Resilience. And it talks about what we need to create a resilience in in students and it you know research shows that it's a positive relationship one positive relationship can create this resilience in children for them to continue to go but they have to fail i mean you have you seen the the kind of the meme about the lawnmower parent oh yeah where they've gone from like the helicopter parents and now we're the lawnmower parent we're just going to burn everything down before our kid ever gets to it it's such a problem we don't please don't do that <laughs> Because they need to fall over top of whatever they're going to fall over top of, right? So that they can look back at it and go, why did I fall over that? What was I doing when I fell? And how did I get over it? And how that way, when they see it in the future, they have some kind of context of how to do it better. (laughs) Exactly. I kind of, I kind of do that a different way when I said, okay, you know, we've got the helicopter parents and sometimes you've got those helicopter parents that graduate to, um, you know, F-14 fighter jet parents, (laughs) you know, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I agree that you're right, you know, and oftentimes it's, uh, you know, students really, it's kind of like that cliche. It's like, oh, you've you've never had it hard like we did, you know, my parents, you know, saying, oh, you never had it as hard. And you know what? Uh I think I think in my experience from my background, growing up with immigrant parents that did not speak any English at all whatsoever, worked here. My my dad worked in a citrus farm. And sometimes he'd be working 24 hours a day, you know, doing the irrigation. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom, she couldn't find a steady job when she first, you know, I guess, I mean, at least when I would first recognize, Mm -hmm. we would go clean houses. I would see my mom with these struggles where we were getting paid, not even with money, we were getting paid with leftovers, Mm. with food. So growing up with that, you know, and seeing that, and my parents always said, you know, please go to school, please study. I don't want you to be like us. I, I don't want you to be working in the sun for 12, 14 hours. My mom's like, I don't want you doing this. You know, um, we want what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Mind you, no, no English whatsoever, no formal education. And they just continually push me. So anytime I always look back on those things and say, you know, these things are what helped me be resilient. These oh, yeah. things are the things that have helped me overcome any obstacles that come my way. And like you said, sometimes You've got parents that just want to mow down everything and protect their child from everything, and they never 
get those experiences, like you said, to build themselves up and see, like you mentioned, why is didn't this work? What can I do? How can yeah. I adapt? How can I overcome? Yeah, the ability to reflect. I mean, we know that, I mean, I know you've sat in many PD sessions about the the importance of reflecting on our teaching, right? Reflecting on teaching yeah. practices, right? I mean, that's the same thing we need to have students to be able to do is to be able to reflect on, okay, what got me to this point and what caused me to stumble and how can I see it next time and overcome it? I mean, so for me, taking it back to my house. So my daughters, I have two, I have an 11 year old and a nine year old. And my 11 year old has been smarter than me since the moment that she was born. So that makes for a fun experience. But she, what we work on is not this concept of punishment, um, but more the concept of discipline, right? To disciple someone to teach them and help them to learn. And that to me is very closely tied to growth versus fixed mindset, because punishment in the sense that I'm talking about it is you did something wrong. You deserve to be punished. How dare you, you know, you can't do that or whatever. And then you have this punishment and discipline to me in this context is let's talk about what you did wrong. Yes. You're still going to experience consequences. Hopefully a lot of them are natural consequences that just come with whatever happened. Um, but it's not, how dare you, you failed, you suck. <laughs> like how, you know, that punishment side. And so we would talk about it. And it, when she was younger, it was, it was the things like you stole my Oreo off the counter or you stole your sister's Oreo. Why did you do that? Can you give it back? And instead of just taking the Oreo and saying, don't do that and giving it back to the sister, it would be, Hey, what, what went down? Did you take the Oreo? And then asking them to talk about it. And even at a young age, because my background is mostly early education, right? So I'm like, they are actually humans. They are tiny humans, not just things without the ability to have a conversation. So it would go like this. Hey, what happened? Okay. Um, how would you do it differently next time? Or how did you feel when you took that Oreo from your sister or whatever? Okay, well, what? how would you think that would make you feel if someone did that to you? And talking them backwards with it and even helping them to have that conversation is building that growth mindset in them because they're seeing it as, okay, it wasn't cool, but I recognize that I felt this way. So if I feel this way next time, what are some alternatives I could have to that action instead of just this action, right? And now she's 11. And so now when when she does something ridiculous, like yesterday, she sharpened a candy cane while she was eating it and it was like a little shiv, right? And then she poked her sister in the forehead and then her sister's crying and I'm, I'm on a call and I'm like, what is happening? And the younger sister is like, she poked me with her candy cane knife. And I'm like, what? What are you even saying? <laughs> but she was able to walk into my office and she already knew the jam. She's like, okay, I felt frustrated. I poked her in the forehead with my candy cane knife. Um, next time I would probably do this. And, you know, here's how I, here's, you know, and was able to kind of walk it through. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's so much more valuable than, than me saying, go to your room, you know, you have a timeout or whatever. Not that there's not consequences, but I think all of that builds into the ability for her later to have this growth mindset of, okay, what did I do wrong? How do I fix it? How did I feel about it? What would I do if I came across that next time? How does it impact others? Right. Just the, the holistic view of all of mm -hmm. it, I guess, to bring it all back around. Yeah. And I agree with that. I mean, even when I was in the classroom doing, you know, science, social studies for fifth grade and then sixth grade, you can really have those conversations with those students and you feel sometimes, you know, oh no, they just don't get it. It's like, actually mm -hmm. they do. Mm -hmm. And it's because I took time to talk to them and we would do the same thing. How would you feel and do those conversations? And yes, it's going to take some time. And sometimes what happens is like, no, we got to focus on the curriculum. Mm -hmm. You're like here, you're, you're no recess, no this, no that. It's just yeah. straight to the punishment. And then when the student asks why, well, because, yeah. No, because like, it's it's actually very it's a, it makes an impact when you actually talk to the student mm -hmm. and then you let them know why they're getting that consequence or how would you do this differently, you know, and exactly walking through those steps. And they do understand, you know, mm -hmm. they can be in fifth grade, even third grade, fourth grade, if you have those conversations, but it's just a matter of taking that time, investing yeah. that time. And I think oftentimes it's like if we make those that investment 
early within the year, then that's going to set up your community for the rest of the year where the expectations mm -hmm. are there and you're going to have less trouble throughout the year. I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect classroom, right. but you know, the students are going to be able to take, you know, step back and recognize and say, Ooh, you know, maybe I should have done things here a little bit different. And then when you ask them, why did you do that? Well, you know what? I, I just didn't understand the math problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was getting frustrated and this, but now I know that I should do this. And you know what? That even works with adults. Totally. <laughs> As, that, yes. I was going to say all of that works with us. I mean, oh, yeah. every day, every day, you know, there isn't a day that doesn't go by that I don't uh, check myself and say, okay, what could I have done different here? How could mm -hmm. I have assisted here or, you know, done something to at least make things either easier. And it's that reflection that helps mm -hmm. us continue to grow because oftentimes we just box ourselves in and say, this is the way it's always been done. And this is the way it's going to continue to be done. But that's only going to take you so far, you know, mm -hmm. for a while, you know, because it, you're, it, you're playing it safe. You want to be yeah. safe. <laughs> Do you? I'm more of a burn it down type of person. My uh, my brother's always saying, you know, you you get the sledgehammer out way before you ever think about trying to super glue it. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> Just burn it down. Candy cane knife. Seriously, you can't make yeah. that up. That's real. Yeah. That's real life right there. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I like I like that that what you said it, or what we were talking about is that, you know for for a long time and even as educators, it's like you already have your lesson set, your lessons pre made. You do this, mm -hmm. but then twenty twenty came around, March thirteenth, March sixteenth, when it's like, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? And now you kind of have to start thinking outside the box. And one of the things that I have loved through my experience and through the lens that I'm experiencing this uh, here within our district is we've seen teachers do some amazing things. Teachers mm -hmm. that always feared that were like, no, I can't do that. No, I don't feel comfortable. No, mm -hmm. I'm seeing them like, whoa, where did that come from? You yeah. know, they, I, I, sometimes I would have to pull teeth and just to get people like, hey, I'm doing a training. Hey, I'm doing mm -hmm. this. And now these teachers have become these experts and they're confident. They're comfortable, um, you know, now within their new setting. And I, I have just been so happy in seeing those things because, you know, it's never too late to change things up a bit. And you never oh, yeah. know what those changes, you know, wonderful things can happen here a lot may have been forced to change, obviously, because of the <laughs> pandemic. We had a forced opportunity is what I yeah, like to it call was it. Yeah, I love that forced <laughs> opportunity. That, I'm going to start using that. I'm probably going to write a blog just in forced yeah, opportunity yeah. and definitely uh, put you in there. But I love that because you're right. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of learning everywhere that's taken place. And it's taking even some of the most, uh, you know, I guess, uh, comfortable or experts, I should say, in our field and pushing them to, you know, try new things. And mm -hmm. the education landscape is never going to be the same after this. And I, think I hope it's not going to get better and yeah. it's going to get more exciting. And, you know, I'm really excited about what we're seeing with uh, teachers, you know, building up their skills and the efforts that they've put in because mm -hmm. they need to continue teaching. But now they're just like, hey, th this is cool. I can yeah. do this, you know, and that's, that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think um, there's been some kind of a shift in focus, right? And I think a lot of it is people's ability to be risk adverse has been slowly chipped away at. <laughs> Right. Every time something happens at 2020, they're a little bit less likely to be able to, you know, put up their barriers and be like, no, I don't want to do that. Right. So by the time you come to them with your training, you're like, hey, let's talk about whatever. They're like, all right. Well, I mean, why not? We've already we've already <laughs> what could go wrong has kind of been my hashtag for all of this. It's like, what could go wrong? Why not? We've already done all of this. I mean, we might as well figure something out. And then the cool things come from it. And like you were saying, what we're doing in the classroom with the students, giving them the ability to reflect on their actions and kind of have a growth mindset about failures is absolutely the same for adults. And what we talked about at the beginning is it's all holistic. It has to be community wide. And that is so 
so important to be able to have that buy-in. And one of the big soapboxes that I have, I have many, it's fine. One of my big soapboxes is that nothing is going to come without a basis of relationship, right? Think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You have to have a basis of relationship for anything to happen. And what you're doing in the classroom when you're talking with those students about how did you feel about this and what would you do differently and whatever, is you're showing them that you value them as a human, shocking um and you love you want to hear from them and that it really is not all about you the educator because i said so but rather about the student the one that it's supposed to be about and i think you're building that relationship with them and then you're going to see more and more change in in the way that your community functions because it's going to be coming from a basis of relationship rather than a basis of the teachers in charge i'll do what they say until i'm really annoyed by it and then i don't want to participate anymore i mean Right. And we all want that same thing, mm -hmm. staff and yeah. students alike, is to have this buy in and this relationship with our community. And that's important relationship. And I want to just kind of take back to or talk a little bit about a, a previous podcast that I did with Pedro Aparicio. And he's actually out of Mexico City. He's a Google innovator. And it just this resonates with me, what you're saying, building relationships, because that's exactly what he did when pandemic and it was time pandemics here. It's time to, you know, go online. He said, the first thing that I did was just build relationships with my students, call mm -hmm. them all by name. And one of the biggest things, I, I have another friend of mine who's a, 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 man, I hang out with a lot of innovators and that's that's <laughs> awesome. But Devin Rossiter, he, he made a statement. He goes, we are guests in their homes. We are guests in students' homes. Mm -hmm. So as any guest, you would also try and build a relationship. You're not going to go in there and say, oh, do you need to do this, do this? It's like, mm -hmm. hey, let's talk. Let's build that relationship. And so going back to what Pedro was doing is he would acknowledge his students and say, you know, because they used to wear uniforms and now they didn't have to wear uniforms since mm -hmm. they're doing remote learning. But he'd be like, hey, that's a nice jersey. I didn't know you liked yeah. that team. And he would start to know his students. Mm -hmm. And you know, the community grew within the students because everybody felt part of the class of the team. Everybody had a sense of importance. And mm -hmm. that's one of the videos that I did for our, our uh, junior uh, trainer series for uh, Global GEG is just building that community and that relationship within our classrooms. And that, I think, is something that is important because sometimes from day one, it's like, all right, curriculum. Let's do mm -hmm. chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. And you never took time to know your students yeah. The more you know them, the more you're able gonna you're gonna be able to communicate with them and personalize the teaching. And I think a lot of times my marketing background kicks in a lot because I need to know my students, I need to know my teachers. So now I know how to sell the mm -hmm. platform to them, the product to them, the teaching to them, instructions and things of that sort. And that really makes a big difference, like you said, community relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Without us. I mean, if you start with a sense of belonging, you're going to get so much further than you are without any with a hierarchy or, a, you know, a curriculum structure or whatever. But starting with a sense of belonging and valuing them as a person and humanizing education in general across all fronts is, I think, going to get you so much further. And I was having a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about that is if you start with creating a sense of belonging and relationship with, we were talking about staff, but in students or any other, in any case, it's the same, it's the same concept. If you start with building a basis of relationship and a sense of belonging and all of that, the, uh, the standards or the academics in the student sense is a bonus, right? They're going to get that because it's part of, because they're safe, they belong, they're valued, they're, they feel loved. And that's the biggest piece because in that relationship and that collaboration, that's where you're building critical thinking and growth mindset and the ability to collaborate and the ability to talk with others, which we know is super valuable, important for students and staff and everyone. And then what they're going to have so much more opportunity to really take in the academic piece and learn from all that because of the bigger picture, the holistic picture, which we're focusing on instead of just the academic piece. Yeah, I love it. This is awesome, Chelsea. <laughs> going with this so tell us a little bit more you know as far as your work that you're doing at least with growth mindset and bringing it out to teachers or campuses that you're working with um, you know what are some of the you know the maybe some of the barriers that you normally find when you start these conversations or you know talking about growth mindset what are some of the things that you know you see kind of like you know i need to 
kind of how do I get over that little hump there to just get to pe- people to maybe understand and see the beauty of having a growth mindset? Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest issues is it's not measurable, right? You can't get funded <laughs> by getting a certain score on your growth mindset thing, right? So, I mean, and especially right now, everybody is overwhelmed. Everybody in education is overwhelmed with what we're trying to keep up with and COVID and procedures and all those types of things. But in general, it's it, it's it's abstract, right? It's not easily measurable where you can take a test and, and see math standards. And if your students are completing these tasks, it's much more challenging to take a test and see if you have, you know, growth mindset. There are things like that, but it's it's not measurable and it's not fundable, which unfortunately is, is one of the biggest issues that we see, especially in public education. And so my work is um, I work with some charters in that conversation and it's kind of sneaky the way that we the way that we do it is we start with something very tangible um like we have a group of students who are who need to see progress in this academic area and we're going to kind of break down what are we doing what are we missing right going from that plan but inside of that plan instead of just saying we need to work on these outcomes and these measures and get these scores up we're asking more quality questions such as, do they feel valued? When was the last time a teacher addressed them, you know, sat next to them? What happened the last time they struggled? Did the teacher say, you know, figure it out and come to me when you're done or take it home and complete it for homework and, you know, ask your parents or, or Google it or whatever? Or did they actually come alongside them and say, hey, let's figure this out together, right? We're looking for where was that break in relationship? And so, but we're kind of doing it under the guise of (laughs) meeting standards, you know, so we sneak it in there, but that's kind of, that's been the coolest part of what I've been able to do with some schools, private schools and charter schools specifically, is we know that we have to hit these standards because that's what's fundable, especially in charters, but we have the ability to ask these questions and look for where is the relationship being built? Where is the growth mindset coming in? How are we seeing it in play in the classroom? And then tie that back to the standard. And so in the end, when you come back to the director or the principal or whoever is looking at it and they're like, wow, how did we meet these standards? You're like, oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> we focused on relationship da, 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 da. And suddenly you just mapped it and you proved the theory, if you will, and uh, you brought it all the way to fidelity. And now you've now they're intrigued. Oh, well, could we do that again? Uh, Well, yes. Yes, we can. (laughs) Oh, that is awesome. I love that. Just being real sneaky like that. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's very important, you know, and if it's not measurable, you can't get funded for it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a sad thing, you know, but we definitely need to build up these, this is something that's so important, you know, for students nowadays. And, um, you, and it's just kind of, yeah, you know, hopefully we really need those just, just kind of what you're doing, you know, disrupting and just say, Hey, let's have these conversations and Mm -hmm. see what it is that we can do to build up that growth mindset. And, um, you know, we will always find that, that kind of like, no, 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 but you know, we just got to continue moving forward and, and just sharing. So that's really awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know, Chelsea, like I'm kind of like taken back, like this is just a, a just an amazing conversation. And I'm glad that we're having it because, you know, oftentimes it, it's like I've mentioned before, it's something that is so over overlooked. And for our teachers, you know, it's something that is important for them now too to start realizing, like you said, it's a holistic approach to education, not only for ourselves, applying what we know about growth mindset not only to our practice, but also to bring that to our students. Mm-hmm. And like you said, everything, we've been focusing on a lot of words here, and mainly it's just been relationships, mm-hmm. of course, and, and then definitely with growth mindset, but just making those connections, making students feel validated. And it works again for adults too as well, for teachers. You yeah. know, admin, when is the last time that you sent, you know, uh, a thank you message or sent something to your teachers? I mean, just a small token like that can go a long way and, mm-hmm. you know, building up those co- conversations, that confidence, that psychological safety, that environment, yes. that community, something that is so important, you know, because even that psychological safety, it's kind of like, you know, you, you make us feel part of a team, but then if we say something, it's kind of like, oh no, you know, yeah. but yeah. It, you know, you need yeah, to you have, have to, that you environment. Have to be for real. You have to be mm-hmm. for real when you're offering things like psychological safety and saying that you provide a trauma-informed environment. If you're going to 
say that you're offering those types of spaces, you really need to deliver on it. And for example, when uh, when I worked, when I was in early education, our teachers would say things to the littles like, do you want to go outside or do you want to come back in the room? Right. They would give them these options. Well, the only real option was to go back in the room. That's what they were doing. But they were giving them these options, like because we know it's important to give options, makes them feel valued or whatever. But only one of them was real. And so I had to come back at that and say, look, if you're going to give them an option, it needs to be, do you want to come in the room and play blocks or do you want to come in the room and play Play-Doh? You can't give them an option and then take it away. That's not a real option. And you're breaking down that trust. And so like you were saying, you can't say we provide a psychologically safe environment. And of course, you're never going to meet it 100% of the time or say that we value relationships. And we value you and we love you and we want you to be a part of our community and then never show up and never really do that because you're creating it. You're doing the opposite effect of what you're intending to do. And I think there's so such a simple way to humanize all of it. And I think that's a really great thing that's come from 2020 is the ability to humanize education and humanize work and humanize this and bring it all back together. Because now we're having to be one person. We're not work person and home person and school person. Now, suddenly all of our persons are in one place and there's children screaming and candy cane knives and you know i am who i am <laughs> you get what you get i'm in this one person i think i love that it's all kind of been that forced opportunity to humanize all of it and now if something's going on like i have a teammate who will text me and say man i'm trying i'm working with my kindergartner on this and i'm going to be late to the meeting and i'm like so fine it's so fine Everything has the opportunity right now to be humanized. We are one human who experiences all of these things, not just work Chelsea or home Chelsea or whatever. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but that's a whole nother. No, situation. no, no, no. That's fine because that kind of, that kind of, it, it just like I said, it's we're, we're organic here. It went from that growth mindset, but I, I completely agree with you. And going back to that, like you and we were even talking about this earlier. There's this Alfonso, there's this Alfonso, and there's this Alfonso. But now mm -hmm. everything just ties together. Like you mentioned, I mean, imagine you know how many teachers are going through that, and of course students going through that like at home. And now you've got parents over here, and you know they've got to go about their day, and little brother and little sister are you know screaming and yelling and everything. And it, it's just been something a learning experience for everybody. A lot of firsts for mm -hmm. everybody. And this is definitely going to be something that, uh, like we said, is definitely going to change the education landscape and the way that we see things and our approach. And like you said, it kind of like, it's like everything kind of just burned down all at once. And now we're rebuilding yeah. it and we're learning, but we can't say, you know, we've got the answers for everything because mm -hmm. no one has the answers out there for everything, no matter what kind of teaching you're doing. You can call it several different, you know, different phrases and everything, but no one is an expert right now at any no. of those, but, but it's about improvising, adapting, and overcoming. And mm -hmm. you know, you're learning as, as educators. We're learning a lot about ourselves, and maybe even just questioning some of our former teaching practices. And mm -hmm. now that we we had this forced opportunity, changing <laughs> the way we see things, and always looking to better ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then of course the students as well, the, the students, I mean, one of the things that I always hear is like, oh, they're digital natives or this. I was like, no, they're not. Just because they've had a phone right in front of them since they were two or three, just to keep them quiet, does not mean they're digital natives because there's mm -hmm. a lot of students that don't know how to navigate, you know, using a Chromebook. They don't know how to navigate, mm -hmm. you know, some of the platforms, you know, they, they may be in front of a screen, but they still need that instruction, but it's also a learning experience for them. I mean, think about this, you know, having to just stare at a screen all day, losing out on that socialization that mm -hmm. they would have with their classmates. That's definitely something that is not simple or something that is very easy. I mean, they need yeah. that. We all need that human contact. And it goes <laughs> back to relationships. So yeah, yeah. doesn't it all always comes back around to that relationship piece every single it's time. So weird. How does that happen? I you don't know? know. It's like we were made for connection. I don't know how it happened. I don't know. I thought we were just meant to be just isolated in our silos in our classrooms and that's it, you know. But hey, it's all about relationships. So mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, going back to to what we were talking about here, I mean I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit here. But hey, you know what? That's the way it goes when you're having a completely organic 
conversation. But going back to that psychological safety and, um, you know, just building those relationships is, I think, something that teachers really need to, um, t they need, really need now. And mm -hmm. I know that administrators too, and, you know, they, they don't have an easy job either. I mean, this mm -hmm. is something that is new to them. And so I think the biggest word too for 2020 at this time is grace. I mean, oh, we yeah. also have to build that grace. And, you know, the the one of the things I did yesterday, I went on on IG Live and I did a post on on grace. And oftentimes we ourselves are really good at extending grace to others, mm -hmm. but we're so bad at giving and extending grace to ourselves. So bad. I, I, I seriously I am bad and I'll admit, like I love mm -hmm. I don't show grace to everybody. And yeah, don't worry, we can fix this, we'll do that. But then if I do one thing and I, I'm just like, I beat myself down. Uh, totally. So I don't know if that ever happens to you. No, mm -mm. I, I, <laughs> I self-love all the time, 24 seven. I never experienced that. It's only you actually. I feel like you're the only one. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe that. But I know yeah, it's shocking. I think that's something that's very important. I mean, not only teachers to, share that grace with the students, students share that grace with their, their teachers, parents, mm -hmm. everybody all around from, you know, the highest district administrator down to the parents. I mean, it's something that's very important. And I know it hasn't been easy because it's a lot of uh, variables that are out there, a lot of unknowns, a lot of uh, maybe not enough communication from, you know, both sides and causes those frustrations. But, you know, Definitely grace is something that we really need to show and extend to others during this time uh, because it, it's definitely something that is needed. And again, to help build that community as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because, you know, we're all just at this point making it up as we go, right? And we're having to shift with the changes that sometimes are given to us. And so we're told, here's what the change is, now I'll figure it out. And no one has a standard for this. I mean, the word that I keep hearing everywhere and everything is unprecedented. This is unprecedented. This is unprecedented. That's unprecedented. Everything's unprecedented. <laughs> so we're just winging it. But I think from my experience, when I was at the school that I was at most recently, um, we were in session when spring break never ended, right? It's the longest spring break we've ever had. It's not as awesome as I thought it would be. But we had to suddenly pivot to this online learning. And we were early learning. So Online learning is a struggle. Online learning for early learning is even more of a struggle, right? And our teachers were like, I don't know that we could do this. What are we supposed to do with these students and the parents? And it was, it was a whole thing as everybody experienced during that time. But what we focused on was, look, these kids, especially the kids in pre-K or going or um, kindergarten going up, you know, they they needed some of those foundations that they actually needed those. Um, the younger, the younger's Preschool is so interdisciplinary, you know, we're not super worried about whether or not they had math time or whatever, right? But we knew from the very beginning, we set our focus on, we want to create quality communication flows with our families and our teachers, because that's, that's what we need right now. And so everything else was kind of a bonus of this quality communication flow. And so we built it out knowing from the beginning that whether or not these kids, quote unquote, learn anything we're going to provide this community for relationship because for a lot of people, this was their main community and suddenly it was stripped from them with all of this. And so while we couldn't be who we were the, you know, pre spring break, we wanted to still provide a community for these families in whatever situation we were in now with COVID and all of that. And we saw amazing returns on that. I mean, we even gained students through the, through the end of the year because we remained open and we made it free for families and all these types of wonderful things we were able to do for pre-k families and all of that but we we found that the biggest need that we could meet was reminding the students that they were loved and valued and saying hey parents we're here for you so like text us what do you need how do you communicate what how can we serve you in that way and that was the coolest part of all of it was being able to really change shift our community enough to be able to serve our families still in even though it was way different than we had originally planned so in a in one word the answer was relationships 
Wow, man, if I could have a cup of coffee for every time we use that word, I, oh, I would be so be happy. On the yeah, I'd be like, but again, it, you're so right. It's just all about relationships. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, you know, I know you, you see a lot of posts, you know, people like, hey, it's Maslow's before blooms and all that yeah. good stuff. Yeah. And but, you know, there is there is that truth to that. It's that human connection that comes first. And once you do that and take care of that, you know, things change. And and I'm I'm speaking from my personal experience in the classroom. I mean, mm-hmm. take time. I wouldn't even start curriculum till like maybe a week after school yeah. started because I was still getting to know my students, getting to know them. And the more I knew of them and the more I knew what they liked and disliked, mm-hmm. the easier it was for me to approach them and the easier it was for me to personalize learning. And again, it's just that sales that salesman from many years ago. You know, where I was like, okay, I I know my students. Now I know Mm -hmm. how to sell them the science. I know how to sell them, you know, the states of matter because not every student learns in the same fashion, multimodal learners. Mm -hmm. And so now I had to be like, all right, how am I going to sell? You know, I I know how I can sell to this group. Now I can sell to this group. But it all comes back to relationships. I know. I know. It's shocking. And that's why I love the co-constructivist theory in, in teaching. And we do everything alongside the student, because if you're working alongside of them, you're mentoring with them instead of trying to pull them from the front, right? You're teaching, you're learning with them instead of teaching at them. You're automatically going to build relationships because you're, Mm -hmm. you're next to them, you're shoulder to shoulder, figuring it out with them. And I love that because, you know, it answers all the, it answers all the problems. I was on a call yesterday with, uh, we were talking about middle school and helping some people, some kiddos meet their standards. And the, like this, how our conversation is going, where every answer to everything is relationship. The answer to everything in this was co-constructed, co-construction, co-construction, right? I mean, so, and that, which co-construction is relationship building. So, I mean, that was the answer to it. It was, how are we coming alongside them? and learning with them and helping them move forward and really finding out how we can serve them. And this is the same for staff as it is for students in a team is how can we as as administrators or leaders or consultants or whatever, come alongside the people who are boots on the ground and help them move forward rather than saying you have to do this, this and this. I hate standards. There's no one size fits all. Standards are important. I don't hate standards. I love rules. But there has to be flexibility inside of them for each experience because you're never going to get one size fits all ever. Exactly. Relationship. <laughs> Relationship. Perfect. <laughs> well, Chelsea, thank you so much. I know we can continue going on and on and we'll probably bring you back. You know, if you don't mind, um, this is an open invite. Totally. So you can definitely come back for uh, either just another conversation, just maybe, uh, you know, trauma-informed, you know, all that good stuff, toxic positivity, yeah. all that good stuff, because we can have those conversations here. So again, this is a public open invite for you to visit us again. <laughs> We would love to have you on the show, you know, and uh, continue these conversations. But thank you so much for taking the time out of your morning to be here. And uh, like I said, uh, this is just an amazing conversation. Your insight is wonderful. Learning and seeing things through your lens and through your experience has definitely opened up, um, you know, obviously myself to seeing things in a different way. And I'm always willing to learn. And of course, that's the whole premise of the show, just connecting educators one show at a time. And this is my form of, you know, one hour PD session for me every Saturday that everybody else gets to share in. And so thank you so much for what you're doing and that I just wish you the best to continue moving forward with the way that you're thinking and uh, and bringing this growth mindset, bringing these conversations into the education landscape because it's something that's definitely going to be needed or is currently needed. So thank you so much for your time. Um, Chelsea, again, let us know where we can find you. I know I shared the links, but uh, just let us know maybe what you're working on and a little bit about your website. What can uh, our audience members find there? Uh, My website has some information about how to hang out with me if you want. I usually do discovery calls, which are super fun because I get to meet all the coolest people in education right now and chat with them and see if we can work together, do something. Um, But it's filled with all kinds of different things. Uh, Some of the people that I work with, I work with ed tech companies uh, worldwide. Um, I work with some here in Texas, some in um, other countries and schools and things like that. So you can kind of see a picture of 
who I've worked with and what I do. Um, and it's a pretty color. So that's always my favorite right there. Yeah. It actually uh, is really soothing. I really like it. It's very easy <laughs> on the eyes. Good. It's making you feel calm and loved and valued. Relationship. Relationship. Um, I know. Right. Um, but yeah, so you can kind of see some things there. It's people that I worked with. It's not super fancy. It's really just um, how to hang out with me. But LinkedIn is my jam. I love LinkedIn. I am present on the other platforms, but I got to say they're not my favorite. But uh, LinkedIn is my kind of my community. I actually got on, you know, six months ago or whatever, when my job at the school disappeared because of COVID to think I'm going to update my profile and get a job. And now everything that I do is through LinkedIn. I pretty much live on it. It's a problem, but yeah, you can find me there. <laughs> hey, but it's a, it's an awesome problem because if, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for that platform, I wouldn't even be able to find you or get to connect with you and then just have this amazing conversation. So this is awesome guys. So go ahead and check out her website and I will go ahead and pop this link in here. Again, I know I've popped it in several times here into our comments, but go ahead and check it out. Check out Chelsea's LinkedIn also as well. Connect with her. And I also wanted to, of course, plug my webpage here as well. <laughs> Obviously, it's our show. But guys, go ahead and visit us here on myedtech.life. Myedtech.life, guys. This is a, just where you can go ahead and find all of our episodes so again, you can definitely find the store. You can find a little bit about us. Contact us, guys. If you're interested on being a guest on our show, just put in your email, your name, and a message. Tell us what you'd like to talk about. I'm looking for people to you know, start 2021. We definitely want to start 2021 with some amazing guests and amazing conversations. So just go ahead and fill out the contact form. Or you can also, for those of you that are, are just longtime listeners, you can also hit this little microphone down here at the bottom right, and you can actually record a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. We'll definitely be playing those uh, messages on our shows. You can give us some shout outs, all that good stuff, but we would love to connect with you and build a relationship with y'all. <laughs> so again, if you want to be a guest on our show, just go ahead and hit us up at myedtech.live. So again, Chelsea, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here to have this awesome conversation. And thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed your cup of coffee or several cups of coffee, your <laughs> breakfast. And uh, thank you so much for participating here in the comments. Shout out to Q, the librarian, Karina. She's been a guest here. She's an amazing educator, librarian, everything. Bonnie, big shout out to Bonnie from Global GEG. And definitely you guys need to connect because I can see you guys doing some amazing things together. So again, guys, thank you so much for being here. And until next time, my friends, stay techie.